0: Here's a Japanese sandman Sneaking on without you Just an old second-hand man will buy your old days from you He will take every sorrow Of the day that is through, And will bring you tomorrow
1: so Hello and welcome to The Good Friends of Jackson Elias, an occasional podcast about Call of Cthulhu, horror films and horror gaming in general. My name's Paul Fricker. I'm Scott Dalbert. And I'm Matt Sanderson. And welcome to the second episode where we talk about our favourite non-Lovecraftian role-playing games.
0: Horror. Horror role-playing game. You've done it twice now. I'll get it right sometime. Okay. We'll have to record a third episode now, just so you've got a third chance to do that. Okay. Yeah, because
1: that would make my life complete. <laughs> um, so uh, this week uh, it's Matt's turn, and he is going to be talking about duh, 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 duh.
2: cult. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is a. This was quite a hard choice when I was thinking about what uh, what game to talk about because. There are plenty of games I could talk about for a very long time, but actually, what would be truly horror games? Yeah, cult's the only choice, really. I could finally put, pin down into true, true, dark, really gritty oh, horror.
0: Definitely in the oh, horror yeah. genre,
2: isn't it? Uh, yes. uh, Unequivocally.
0: And, and games you know, in background don't get much darker than cult.
2: Yes, indeed. Um, there are two ways that I've heard cult described, so both, both of which I attribute um, to uh, dear Scott here. Which is one, it's Call of Cthulhu without the cheery optimism. And two, Gnostic Christianity, the role playing game.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, I think probably um I'd describe it more realistically as the as the latter of the two. Um because this this is partly a role playing game and partly an education into real world occultism. Um, the the background's probably the best the best place to start with on the game itself. Um Imagine the world as it is now, living your relatively insignificant life. Um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> hey, yeah. What are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to picture it as very much of a, almost like a world of darkness type affair. That that you are cogs, quite figuratively, in a machine vaster than you can possibly imagine. You are one insignificant speck in the terms of the universe. That effectively you, you amount to nothing. Say it's grim. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I need another yeah. drink. <laughs> But you, you are one insignificant speck that has finally realised that something is wrong, something is different, that the world that you have been led to sure believe... Are not Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? <laughs> there's, there's no bulldozing of the planet in the way of an interstellar highway here, but well, 42 might be a
0: significant number. You no, know, it's the total perspective vortex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. No, so you, you've realised that something is wrong, something is... Something is a lie, but everything you knew about reality, everything you knew about the world, history, everything has been crafted as this prison to keep you trapped from your true potential
0: so 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 basically it's like being sixteen, yeah, <laughs>
2: if you put it like that, so this is the verge of your awakening
1: yeah. <laughs> well as a player character that's not you don't initially realize
0: that though, right or not. Uh, generally, generally revelation if, that comes about through
1: the game yeah,
0: it, 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 it depends on the campaign you play and the scenario you play I mean, you know, the, the, that's the secret that's built into the background but mm-hmm. you know, how it gets revealed is you know, it will vary from game to game
2: one way that the Keeper can approach that uh, I was gonna say Keeper <laughs> treating it as the Cthulhu <laughs> game now um, one way that the GM can treat that is very much like how they'd handle the Cthulhu mythos skill in Call of Cthulhu that you can in theory, you can have PCs start with a knowledge of the lie and what the, what the nature of the world really is, but by default, the book says that you are experiencing this for the first time. That you are you are starting to kind of you put your you put your character on the map, and they're now exploring the rest of the board, as it were. That they're gradually realising the extent of the lie and how it really permeates the the entirety of reality, and more so than they than they first realised.
0: Yeah, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, most cult scenarios start with the illusion breaking in some way. Yes.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Oh right, so you have some um, event
2: that kind of lets you see through the veil of reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they they call it the illusion um, specifically because it's the world is a prison that. The, the background of the game starts that there's humanity for all its, all this talk of being this insignificant speck that amounts to nothing that is entirely what the Demiurge wants everyone to believe that they are um, The Demiurge was a man or a being like like you like me like the one who lives down the street uh, was just one amongst many amongst humanity but humanity all individual humans were gods. They had the power to create the, um, create universes. They had the power to alter and bend reality to their whim. They were ultimate god godlike beings of omnipotent power. Um, the demiurge rose to a position of power where he then cast down the rest of his kind and trapped them in the prison. And that prison is the world that we see around us. We are mere echoes, shards of our true potential, locked within this prison, bound and gagged. And so the kept... demiurge kind of ascended to the role of god. Yes, yeah. but, but a demiurge false god. meaning what? Oh, it's, it's Is another term. It's another term it, it, for it's, God. Yeah
0: it's, yeah, it's certainly a name that comes. out... Well, not not for God, but it's it's a name that comes out of Gnostic Christianity and a lot of. <clears throat> of Christian mysticism uh, as this false creator image uh, the, the, this false creator role um, you know, there, there, there were different variants of early Christianity whereby you know it, it was um, you know exactly as Matt said for the background cult or that um, the you know the, 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 you know there's still a true God above everything else but there's this kind of interloper in between that you know uh, is, is sort of trying to deny us our connection with God by pretending to be be the creator of our realm
2: mm-hmm. hmm. yeah, so the, the Demiurge created in his infinite power and wisdom compared to everyone else he imprisoned um, created what was known as the machine um, this vast complex well, as it says machine um, that keeps humanity imprisoned
0: well and, and gives us the illusion of life and death and rebirth and yes yeah. mm-hmm. I, mean, Whereas, I know it's not but that just sounds like the matrix. Well so matrix, to an extent yeah, it is well the, the, it? The, the matrix was inspired heavily by Gnostic Christianity hmm. uh, but yeah it had been around for a few thousand years before then,
2: yeah, just a few yeah. but yeah there's um particularly um as neo says in in the second film that say life and death they're all just another they're all just another level of control, I mean death itself is an illusion that the soul survives, and in cult it gets sent down into purgatory. Where it meets the the wonderful minions that live there, that then promptly minions, yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> minions in the sense that they're known as smart little yellow guys. No, no, the, no, the, the no. <laughs> no they, they, these are more like cenobites from uh, Clive Barker's Hellbound Hearts, uh, so the more widely known Hell, Hellraiser franchise. Um, they are beings that thrive on tormenting the souls of what they believe is like sinners. And their job is to make sure that they can t- torture and torment a soul to the point where it destroys their memories, and when they when they're effectively their slate has been wiped clean, they are processed back into the machine and then reborn in the Were body. these
1: minions also once humans?
2: They can be yeah. up to the GM. Yes, uh, well, they they can. They like um, probably the best way to. And if you're thinking of a Call of Cthulhu analogy to are useful and they're like ghouls in that sense there are some true-born blo- true ghouls or in this case true-born nephorites but humans can be turned into nephorites
0: uh-huh. again you're much like the Cenobites from, uh, from Hellraiser mm-hmm. they um- uh, there, there's a book that was published. Uh, what the is it? All oh, the Purgatory Sourcebook. Yeah, yes. Purgatory <laughs> Sourcebook, which um, actually outlines a whole bunch of different nephrite's their backgrounds and how they came to be, and, and, and the, the conspiracy
2: then, that yeah. acts amongst them, and so forth, and, and the
0: realms that they they sort of govern. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's a fantastic book. Great, you know, great source material, and yeah, you know, lots of gameable stuff in there. Mm-hmm. It is fucking impossible to read <laughs> though in terms of the layout. Yeah, you stole this point from me in the Hot
2: War um, in We'll layout, though, I think, <laughs> in a bit, won't
0: I'd, we? Yeah, I think now, now's probably actually a good,
2: good time oh, okay. to mention it while, while we're here. Might as well go off on tangents and then jump back again, because there's so many different aspects in Cult. Um, the one thing about the game that makes it quite unique in that perspective is its artwork and okay. how the game's laid out. I mean, all three editions to date have a very different feel to them. Mechanically... Editions two and three are identical. The third edition is just the second edition uh, rulebook reprinted with two of the magic source books bolted into it. But the artwork itself is very different. Um, first edition was produced by Metropolis Press or Incorporated, or I think it's Metropolis Incorporated actually. Um, and it's a fairly standard book, I'd say, for the, for its time. It's, um, its headings are quite large. And it's got some very graphic black and red artwork. It's got um, a great cover. Oh yes, and mm. the angel being ripped apart was like, almost almost being crucified, stroke hung and then torn apart by these. Yeah, that's the one I remember. It. When you showed me your third edition copy, I'd never even seen that
1: before what? with the black and white cover. Uh, no, that's no, second, second edition. Oh, yeah. is that second edition? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah.
2: third third edition. Beyond the veil has a black cover with a hand reaching up and grasping um, this sort of backwards K. Yes, yeah. that was it. that's it. Saying that's nominally it's kind of it's used in second ed as well, but it's just one of those reoccurring images that you see. I think it's more just an art piece that they just took and went oh that looks nice we'll take it further. I don't think it has
0: any major significance in the game itself I mean, it's it's a striking feature, but yeah i I think you know in terms of uh, media visual appeal and strikingness mm-hmm. yeah the first the first edition is oh yeah it's uh, unrivaled it, yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's the one I remember. Yeah. yeah, it definitely sets the tone
2: better than the other two as when well. When did
1: that come out? When, when did the game first come out? mid-90s, I
0: believe. Right? So, something like that, yeah. I mean, the, mid-90s? It's it originally a Swedish game, mm-hmm. uh, it came uh, and it was translated into English a few years after it came out. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Swedish edition came out in the early 90s, and it was about mid-90s when, mm-hmm. when the English translation arrived.
2: Yeah so that was that, so that was done by Metropolis. Quite aptly named because considering Metropolis is the one true city from which humanity sprung um in the back in the background of the game that
0: is and of the real world. Yeah of course. <laughs> but yeah, the
2: I so said the predominant feature of the artwork there is that it's all the text is either red all the headings are in red generally um all the t- main bulk of the text is black and the images reflect this whole black red and Partially white, in some instances, using the colour of the page throughout, Throughout, is those three colours really do strike the whole feel of the game. Then, second edition is a wonderful piece of mind-bending artwork. Um, a lot of the artwork that you find when you flick through, as say, Paul was having a look earlier, find there are lots of small images dotted here and there that um, follow the width of different columns of the page. And... Almost exclusively almost all the artwork is derived from the cult CCG um, because Metropolis did a um, card game based around um, the cult universe um, which if you can find it it's a lovely it's a lovely game where you, fe- you effectively build a terra um what they call the taroum which is an art, um, one of the major artefacts. I seem to recall you
1: bought a suitcase full of it at Gen Con the other year
2: when we were there. Yeah, especially well, uh, this is random aside. <laughs> um, <laughs> an we aside went within gen- side. Yeah, an aside within an aside. It's, yeah. a side, it's all the way
0: down.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we had um, we had a couple of days where we were wandering around the trade hall and I wandered up to one stall that had, on one side of the stall they have a huge array of second hand RPG books, but then on the other side they've got a whole load of CCGs. And I was wondering I'm looking mainly For VTest stuff The vampire card game The vampire the eternal struggle Thinking have they got Any of the expansion The, the last one I'm looking for Something that has All the good cards And, and So um, mm. keep, keepers of tradition That one's cool. But um, The girl behind the counter Kind of caught, um, caught my eye As if to say Ah oh, look you're looking For something aren't you like, Oh great now I'm going To get a selling speech Come my way what, What's the first thing I can think of That would basically say Oh you, we haven't got it Sorry and then I can Extract myself <laughs> from the situation I said, "Oh, yeah! I bet you haven't got any of the cult CCG." I said, "Oh no, we, I think we've got a few boxes." Hang on a minute. You said boxes, right? So wander down the aisle, and she got it, yeah. There, lo and behold, she has the original base expansion, uh, the base card game release. Um, I think I must have picked up at least two or three boxes of that, trying to complete um, <laughs> complete my core collection, which I still haven't done. I'm still about five cards missing. Um, but then she also had. Lo and behold, sat there three boxes of the Inferno expansion for $20 each. When I paid for $20 my. $20 bo- a box. $20 a box. I paid 180 quid when this came up um, from an Australian seller about five years ago to get a box of Inferno. Wow. So that they you, there was probably the small breaking of the sound barrier as those got put into my bag saying, yeah, here's my money, take it, take it, take it. <laughs> yeah, it's weird,
1: some of the stuff at Gen Con that you can pick up. But it's like you kind of think. There's so many gamers there that anything that's desirable is surely going to get hoovered up, but mm-hmm. you go around and there are things like that yeah. around that you can find. It's remarkable.
2: Hmm? Yeah, it just, I couldn't believe my luck. So, yeah, the, that that little section of the stall promptly got, got swallowed into oblivion.
0: Did, <laughs> did you end up paying more than that, $180 on, uh, hmm? on excess, excess
2: baggage? baggage. No, because I got it back in Paul's suitcases. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did, did you tell Paul about this ahead of time? <laughs>
1: I just yeah. got back up I've got no clothes or any possessions <laughs> just a load of bloody cards
2: <laughs> but yeah that, that, that did complete my Inferno set thankfully and I was slowly selling the others off, um, off on eBay every so often when I find myself in dire need of cash um but yeah, it's it's a wonderful, wonderfully dark card game. I mean some of the artwork in there again mm. is horrendously graphic and detailed.
1: It almost looks like they've they've transposed some of the artwork into that book and not really mm. changed the size of it, because a lot of the
2: images mm. are they're about two inches square. Yeah, they haven't changed much at all. The only thing is that the, the rule the rule book here is in black and white, whereas the card game itself is in colour. Right. And but, a lot of fonts on a page, a lot of different fonts. Oh yeah. They seem to like that. Yeah some very odd um, layout in terms of what what you see on the page. Um, they have in almost in reminiscent of Sense of the Sleight of Handman, they have a huge white bar that is a complete waste of space that runs across the top of the page, whereas in the, um, in their campaign it runs down the side of the page that they use for putting sidebars in but so relatively few of them in this it's where they put the title of each chapter and then the occasional yeah. um the occasional page number so that you can use it as your and guide to pictures like there's a picture there oh yeah very occasionally that um, it fills with something in there where it's not just white space so does that make it quite difficult to read through i mean if you use that copy as a, as a reading copy yeah this, this is my reading copy um it's It's not. I wouldn't say hard. It doesn't make it harder to read. Compared to some of the
0: other cult books, it's an absolute breeze.
2: Oh yeah, this is this is easy. Um, But then their indents on where paragraphs start are, for instance, like halfway along the line. um, They open up with a fiction section or interspersed with little vignettes that are written in a in bold italicized um, font, and then each first uh, first sentence of a new paragraph in a particular chapter is in a larger text that's almost like an aerial font and then it cuts to Times New Roman after that for the rest of it um, alright yeah,
1: <laughs> layout talk <laughs> but, 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 but is it no too? no it's important but uh, yeah. that, uh, oh,
2: people but... should know that Matt is a layout guy So, uh... yeah, I, I used to work in DTP for a couple of years so this this is definitely my bag
0: yeah but but compared to you know some of the other books they put out, I mean this has got the advantage for a start of being black and white. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah Because yeah. with some of the other books they went to town with the fact that they could do full colour pages,
2: like uh, purgatory.
0: Yeah, like purgatory <laughs> and like the magic books. Oh God! You <laughs> you bought
2: one of those along to a
1: previous session that was virtually yeah. unreadable. Well, <laughs> well, you, <laughs> those, you've got
0: those. you've got things like silver or gold text on a black background in very <laughs> thin spidery fonts, yeah. and yeah. or
2: complete a completely bronze background with very thin white. Yeah, that was one of the. Yeah, I think that was the what time, you brought along, right? Yeah, that's the yeah. time, the time and space book. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's they, they, just
2: sadistic. <laughs> <laughs> Laid out by a madman. <laughs> but yeah, it's but roughly follows otherwise apart from the colour scheme follows roughly the same kind of style as the core rule book, um, but Purgatory, where we're coming full circle back to to that again. It's it's a book lit in a sense that you don't read it with in the traditional sense of the spine goes. Um, vertically. You read it so the spine is horizontal and you flick the pages away from you. What? So that you, seriously yeah, you, you flick it so they're away from you. The whole thing folds up so that the front cover interlaces with so you part read of the it back in... cover. Okay. So then you open it, she's so pulling it away from you so the spine is horizontal. Um, it's uh, stapled because it's not very big. Right. And then each page um, the text is printed over the top of a Rorschach print. So it looks, it is a horrendous, usually in vivid red on brilliant white or in other in other stark contrast. Right, yeah. um, again, the text goes in very odd patterns with different fonts, with um, indentations being crazily far along lines. Um, narrow sidebars going down one side of the page that talk about one thing, whereas the bulk of the text is then talking about something else.
0: And I mean, th- th- this is is thematically very appropriate because the book is all about inflicting suffering. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's also um,
2: the book itself paints a wonderful conspiracy picture of some the, the intricate wheels within wheels dynamic that it pits against all the different factions within the cult universe. But then you read the stats and those things, and it's impossible for any player character to interact with them. Um, it's, you, you even look at the dice, well they've just inflicted several fatal wounds before I've even looked at it well is that not like a lot of Cthulhu
0: creatures though, I mean they are got Even more, of- even more so though, at least some of the gods have a chance of failure well. but yeah, I mean this is fairly standard for cult throughout in a lot of ways um, cult, cult is an unusual game in that respect in that it's it's both a horror game and very much an action game in that it sort of, once you've broken through the veil a bit, it sort of does expect you to tool up with things like automatic weapons and like oh. launchers and so on, <laughs> because this is the only way you can actually stand up against a lot of the creatures. Yeah, it is the right. only way you can do it. Um, yeah, if, if you... Breathe through. I mean, there have been a number of supplements published throughout the years. Metropolis Metropolis is yeah. Yeah, both a great and a very frustrating supplement. I mean, it, it, it's great in that it kind of outlines the one true city, and there's some, some fairly cool and creepy stuff that goes on there. Yeah, the occasional moment, yeah. But on the other hand, a lot of the encounters that are described are just these really vicious combat encounters where you will suddenly encounter something that, you know, unless you've got heavy weapons, will just tear you into little gobbets. Mm-hmm
2: and all of them have a hatred for humanity in a very, various different reasons and manners that are all completely legitimate, but it still turns into, oh, they hate you and he, they, initiate, they initiate yet another combat.
1: Does that work okay, then? I mean, I mean, is, do you feel that the combat heaviness of it goes with the,
2: That's, this, the is, this is a game? This is why I say I had a little bit of trouble trying to decide on it as being my, whole, um, being my game to pick here. I love the setting. Yeah. The mechanics, unfortunately, suck donkey dick for fun and very little profit. That
0: it's well. To be, to be fair, donkeys. You know, even even you know even the ones that give rides at the seasides, don't tend to earn that much.
2: Yeah, and especially they wouldn't even get much fun out. Of, fun out of being. Oh, no, it's 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 terrible, really. The um, to give um, a couple of examples. Let's not take this analogy any further? <laughs> no, <Please. laughs> <But continue. laughs> to, to give to give a couple of um, references back to some foreshadowing that I mentioned in previous episodes, where we talked about skills, for example. Um, the skill list in this game is monumental. Yeah. Um, where well, you think of the original, the goal, not original, going back to sixth edition Cthulhu, where you've got skills for kick, punch, f- uh, or fist, grapple. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Times that by about ten, and then you've got the various different skills. Really, call. Yeah. yeah. It's things like chain weaponry, whips, um, blunt objects, um, knives, swords. If, if you can think of an individual way to categorise a weapon, it's there right. as a sep- as a separate skill. Huh. And, and not
1: just weapon skills, but all sorts of other skills are broken down in that yeah. same yeah, sort way. And is there like a, a skill tree or is it just
2: all. No,
0: it's a skill list. Yeah, it's a skill, skill, it's, a skill,
2: list. it's a skill list, but it does have different ways that it's categorised rather yeah. than being like a tree. For but instance, they're, the they're heavy weapon section in particular. Well, they're
0: associated with stats, aren't they? Each yes. skill is associated with a stat. Yeah. So it it's fairly traditional style
1: mechanics Very. in terms of the.
0: It starts off as a traditional style, it's just just with a lot of skill <laughs> yeah. options. Yeah, I, th- 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 this is one of the things that I mean. I, I, I've I've run two cult campaigns, and yeah, again, yeah, you know, like Matt, I love the background. Um, but the thing that put me off running cult anymore was the fact that the mechanics are so cumbersome, uh, particularly once um, you get into combat. Um, oh God! Yes, when you, get you for, for, for my tastes, when you've got a horror game, you know, combat should be you know something you know very fast, very brutal, very scary, um, uh, you know, quite a visceral experience. There, there's something quite plodding I find about the mechanical resolution in cult.
2: Right. So you kind of stop the game and play a combat. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not so much stop the game and play a combat, it's play every action.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, and, yeah, it's needlessly fiddly, it's needlessly granular, um, and it, it sucks the energy out. I mean, it's still, you know, dangerous and threatening, and you can do some cool narration in there, but it just mm-hmm. takes so long that the energy dissipates.
1: But other... I mean, if you were doing a, a... I don't know how it supports social conflicts, I can't remember. But if you're doing something else then it doesn't have that level of... No,
0: complexity. it tends to be a, sing, a single roll.
2: Yeah, no, normal actions are fairly, relatively well handled. Um, uh, it's its core, cool. you're rolling a D20. It's not a D20 skill, dear listener, don't worry about that putting you off. Um, <laughs> people, you roll- some people like that, Matt. I, 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 I just don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> um, you roll a D20, and you compare the number that you roll against the number on your sheet... The idea is you're trying to roll under the number on your sheet. So, like yeah. percentile and Cthulhu, you're trying to roll under it. Yeah. How much you pass by affects the degree of success. Okay. You compare that to a chart, depending on what type of um, action you're trying to do. For instance, yeah. one, the one I've got in front of me says like an investigative ability, a mobility manoeuvre, so or creative So, I creativity. passed by five. I needed 15, I rolled 10, so I passed by five. Yeah. In which case, that would be a normal degree of success. Right. Um, it goes from 1 to 4 being acceptable, 5 to 15 being normal, etc. Up yeah. the skill. Generally, you're looking for something pretty damn. You want to pass by as much as you possibly can. can. But then when you get into combat, it goes crazy. So, those various levels influence the amount of damage and so on that you do, do they? <laughs> Example I might be a bit rusty on this, and I won't spend the time plodding through the rule book. The one I remember is you roll the dice. That generates the number between um, your skill and the number you've rolled on the dice. You plug that number into a table to see... A bit like the original skill check, to see how effective that is. Uh That generates a number. You then compare that number... Against the weapon type you're using and plug that into a second table. That generates a third number. You plug that third number into another table which you compare against your antagonist to see what type of wound level you've done. And,
0: and you're, you're, at the same time, your antagonist, if I remember correctly, rolls a die for an armor saving throw.
2: Yes. Yeah. And um, particularly if you're up, certain antagonists and humans have num- numerous actions that they can do in a round. Yes. Each round is divided into three phases. But humans can only act in um, one um, first and second phase monsters can act all over the phase and can potentially have up to nine actions around split between those different phases but because they can jump around in theory they could have their ninth action before they've had the first one it it becomes very 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 confusing to try and work out resolution of where things. happen oh,
1: so how many, to make yeah. combat straightforward. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. that sounds like a breeze
0: compared to this. Yes. Well, I I remember in the the campaign I ran for you, there was a climactic fight with a nephrite in there.
2: Oh yes, which
0: which went on for <laughs> so long because I mean you you had the weapons that you needed in order to kill it. Uh-huh. But it's he it got so many actions and the fact that it could you know, rewind able, time. You know, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That every time you did something. It had so many actions that it would just rewind. And it was a question of you know basically keeping it in status until you could inflict that, that major yeah,
2: wound. We, we need we need to have I think we did do it by one action. We had yeah. we had between us, the whole human group had one more action than the monster. And it was that one action to blow up a gas canister that was right next to it and blow, blow it blow it away. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> And that that is kind of how it plays because in a lot of the, in a lot of the instances the monsters you come across are in, insanely well, they are like tanks um like the oh what what do they call it The eyes Rayzide, yeah, yeah um that we came across these these are kind of a bit like a war ghoul, in a sense from vampire um but more tech more techno horror
0: but they are they're, they're, they're demons from hell basically
2: yeah with with lots of um Lots of fleshy bits, lots of pipes, plastic, metal. They are horrendously well. They are monstrous, demonic things. And are
1: there, very, are there kind of low-level horrors as well? Are they, are yeah. they kind of like yeah, yeah. the, the human
2: there. cults that you meet, which is pretty much where the name where the name of the game comes from. Um, yeah, because they should be the first in terms of if you were trying to do it as a fight your way up the monster tree. Yeah, those should be the point where you start. Yeah, so like in Call of Cthulhu you've got human cultists. Yeah. And yeah. then you've got the monsters on top of that. But, but, yeah.
0: but there, yeah, there are some low-level ones. If I remember correctly, that there are things that are a bit like ghouls in there. They they sort of look human, but then when you look a bit closer... Oh,
2: Natkinder, can... yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and, yeah, I remember using some of those in, in the scenario. Yes.
2: But I mean, to be honest, what I'm
1: hearing doesn't sound that different to meeting a Star Spawn. I mean, that's... How's
0: no, but. But in terms I, I, of. Yeah, then yeah, of are the, 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 the difference in cult, I suppose, is the expectation that you will be fighting these things. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and okay. they're more
2: they're more prevalent. Starspawn are usually sleeping in the bottom of some deep Mariana Trench. These yeah. things are waiting around the corner
0: for you you're for a minute.
1: If they yeah. come in, you're expecting a TPK or the end of the game in some way.
0: Yeah, well, you're expecting you know, the, uh, the player characters to find some strategy and some set of tools for fighting these things. All oh, right. Um, and, and
1: the world is a kind of a parallel to modern day?
2: Generally, just a, a very, very dark reflection of it. Um, I mean, tech level. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Weapons yes. level.
0: Yes. Well, is it, you know, it's one of these games where it is supposed to be our world, but you know, then you peel back the secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got dynamite, you've got automatic weapons and so
2: on. Yeah. Rocket launches maybe. If it, yeah.
0: if it exists in our world, it's you know,
2: it's there. It's there. Yeah. Going, going back so almost going for uh, finishing our uh, tangent, going back to where we left it about the lie, and so oh, yeah. forth. Um, one of the methods of control in inverted commas is that the demiurge assembled a small army, essentially, for him to control different facets of the prison. Um, these are represented in the game by the various different points on the um, on the on the septoth, the the tree of the Kabbalah, the tree of life. Um, each one identified with a particular concept. In the world, um, there are things like there's a drug baron, there's a uh, military dictator, there's various different figures, oh,
0: kind of corrupt clergy or something.
2: Yes, it? yeah, that's that's a good point. I remember him and the the, the science uh, the science one as well, the magic the one that controls magicians. Um, all these are a bit like Niarthletep in in that sense that they have the true self that resides in Metropolis, but they act through avatars. Which they place on Earth, and those avatars then create this these cults around them, and it's through them that they extend their influence and control humanity and make sure that they are kept in the prison and that they do the will of the Demiurge. On the flip side of that coin, um, the Demiurge has, I think, what was at one point probably could be considered his either counterpoint or his second in command, Astaroth. Yeah. Um, whereas the Demiurge would be considered like the false god. Um, Astroth is considered to be the devil. Um, there are two paths that humanity can follow. Um, they can follow the path of light, which is not impossible given how the rules are set. Yes. Um, although apparently one person in the book did do it, Leonardo da Vinci, um, <laughs> ascended to, um, ascend to the point where they become something more than human, they become something more than good. They become a god, they become what they were meant to be, they awaken and they see the true power of the universe, and they become on par with the Demiurge. But that's by being extolling the virtues of good knowledge, intellect, etc. If you go down the other route, you're going towards Astaroth, which is the dark side of the dark path, um, which is revelling in what every good PC does best, which is killing shit, blowing it up, and and so
0: forth and general decadence and corruption yeah it's but but, but I mean one thing that makes cult unusual in this respect um, and, and th- this is the thing that really pushes it if I remember correctly towards the left hand path approach mm-hmm. uh, is the equivalent of sanity loss oh yes uh, mm-hmm. I- in this um, so experiencing or seeing bad things as well as doing bad things pushes you down towards that bad path mm-hmm. Right, almost, almost so, by default so, so you know, you're, you're being pushed into you know, infernal realms just by the stuff you're seeing and experiencing. So that, that is
1: kind of stripping away your humanity, your sanity,
0: whatever yeah. the parallel is, and that's making it easier to take that kind of path of Of, of destruction, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to rise above that and ascend it, you know, it becomes that bit harder because you are wading through all this, this kind of psychic muck.
2: Yeah, which constant which constantly damages your mental balance and drags you back down towards zero again. Um, so, going the the light path by reading the mechanics is almost impossible. Yeah. You you can't do it as a PC because the minute you try and interact with the game, the game says no. Here's another sand loss, or the equivalent thereof. Yeah, um, you can only really do it as a I think maybe a storytelling exercise. I yeah. think is the only way you can do it. But no, um, if so, you, so, is there a,
1: a parallel to kind of sanity or humanity,
2: mental balance, yeah, mental that's, balance? That's what that's what they call it. Yeah. If, if but, you get extremely high, say light side. If you go extremely low, left
0: hand path, dark side. Yeah, I mean that, that's the difference between something like yeah, you know, sanity and and mental balance because mental balance is a scale that goes down and up. Um, and yeah, it, 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 yeah, it does have those those kind mm-hmm. of uh, elements of humanity in in games like Vampire and Sorcerer and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can, what would push it up then? Yeah, performing kind of selfless or altruistic acts, acts mm-hmm. of self sacrifice, uh, devotional religious acts, meditation, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, yeah.
2: But so then, it's like anything negative that happens will automatically pull you down, pull you and start sliding you down. Yeah. Conversely, for when you hit certain milestones, either plus or negative 75, I think it is, is when stuff starts to happen where you both, depending on which route you go, you still experience the same physical changes, but then it's just how they manifest.
0: Yeah, because yeah, I mean, you basically start breaking through the veil. You know, spontaneously start becoming more godlike, but mm-hmm. this changes what you appear like to other people. I, what one of my favorite so aspects. So, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, um, one of my favorite aspects is the fact that you know you you end up with this shadow self. Oh, like yes. you know, stalking yeah. you. So <laughs> if you be you know if you go very high, low down the negative path, you end up with, with sort of the good aspects of you splitting off into another entity that then shadows. You round, uh, mm. you know, and be, becomes almost this, this you know, uh, antagonist mm-hmm. that's made up of, you know, the parts of you that just don't fit anymore. And similarly, if you ascend, you know, way up into the light, you know, the, the, the evil parts of you split off into this kind of demonic entity. Oh, nice. Yeah,
2: yeah. And you, your last stage before you finally awaken is you have to defeat this other half, which, especially if you go light side, defeating it, in fact, is actually one of the criteria where you'd lose mental balance. So, as I say, you do it almost impossible. Um, but yeah also the point I think also one of the main things that makes it almost unplayable after a point is that after you reach negative 50 you are clinically a sociopath regardless of whichever route you've gone down you are completely and utterly insane I, I, whichever one you go for the yeah, good one or the evil one either, both. Is a, so
1: it's is a choice in how you act in the game which will take you
2: towards one or the other you can make a conscious choice, but it's how re- it's how your environment affects you as to what will ultimately determine what your mental balance ends up as.
0: Yeah, right. I, and and also there are physical changes as well. Uh, so if you start going down the the negative side of mental balance, you start physically changing and becoming more monstrous.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas so you're kind
0: of changing into
1: it. To put it in basic form, you're either sort of turning into a demon or an angel.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: Very much. Pretty so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the <laughs> except, except you don't want to meet an angel in cult. No, no. I don't particularly remember that. Yeah, the angels really, were pretty scary. You
1: really don't want Kind of like um, in Supernatural, the yeah. TV series. Um,
0: yeah, except a bit more um, animalistic. Yeah.
2: yeah. I was thinking kind of almost um, pandemonium uh, kind of level there. Oh. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, maybe maybe not quite as uh, kind of visceral and, and mm. uh, alien as of Raphael's creations <laughs> in the books of Pandemonium, but... Mm. Very but, very yeah. evocative of the same kind of thing, though. But it did... Rem- but, yeah, but, yeah, when but, we yeah,
2: talked to Raphael
1: yeah. about his game, that did remind me of um, some of the angels that um, yeah. we encountered in Cult when you were running it, Scott. Yeah, the yeah. kind of screeching harpy-type things.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, God, yeah, that's... Well, some ho- well obviously not. I was going to say hum- some homeless guy in his house, so that's a bit ridiculous. It was some guy in a in a kind of run down house just watching a TV or something and he was an angel and we went in and it was all very I remember that being very macabre and
0: um, yeah creepy. But, but you know, it, I, I seem to remember at some point you ended up in uh, the, this kind of secret asylum that had been set up for mad angels <laughs> the, you know, where, where someone had started letting them out and that was yeah getting extremely dangerous with you know, mm. j-, j just this strange underground complex filled with the, the screaming you know, cries of these deranged angels oh yes. i think there's
1: a there's a great strength to that in um as a as a player um you know it, it's as much as so i like lovecraft creations they are um creations they don't kind of hook into uh kind of um you know culture like angels do yeah. you know we, we've heard about angels. And, and god and christianity all our lives um so to have some have a game that sort of plays on that it's much like watching the exorcist or something like that it kind of plays on those um very kind of uh culturally embedded things
0: yeah, yeah. i mean I, I i love the use of religion in role-playing games um i you know, per- personally i i have you know no religion of my own but i find you know exactly as you say the um the the, the kind of um it's very uh, evocative, the, very. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the imagery that goes with it. I mean, it, you know, there's powerful associations, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, 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 and, and it becomes especially creepy when, you know, as in cult, you subvert those, mm. where you know mm-hmm. you, you um, you're used to angels being portrayed as forces of light, and I, I don't know where the hell that came from, because if you read them in the Old Testament, they're scary, <laughs> scary, scary things.
2: <laughs> oh I've, I've used the image of. Um... Abaddon stroke Apollyon in another scenario um, that you'll be familiar with. Yes. Um, thinking that yeah, God's chosen execution or the an- the Angel of the Abyss was one scary motherfucker! He really
0: was! Yeah, <laughs> yeah just look at what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Mm. But... Um yeah but but yeah you know even then you know subverting these images and, and turning them into something you know corrupt and um uh, depraved is you know as cult does mm-hmm. is yeah you know, even to you know a fairly staunch atheist like me is is still quite effective oh,
2: and so the kind of the poignant part there is when he describes Astroth as being the brother of the demiurge mm-hmm. in the sense that they they aren't one isn't good one isn't bad, they just fulfill two different roles and they're just as in inverted commas, they're just as bad as each other.
0: Well, actually, again, that's not too dissimilar to the Old Testament and mm. the original mm-hmm. depictions of Satan, but yeah. as, as kind of, you know, um, you know go, almost God's judge or you know, prosecuting mm-hmm. attorney. Yeah, rather than but, the kind of Milton-esque um, yeah. fallen angel, etc.,
2: the subordinate. Now, he's very much on a par with um, the demiurge in this game. But, again, back to the, back to the setting aspect of it. Part of what's kicked off the meta plot in the in the game itself, and why these individuals have suddenly been able to see through the cracks in this otherwise perfect machine that has been working the, um, the way it should be for thousands upon thousands of years, is that the demi are just gone missing. Um, God is just missing, presumed gone. That there's. In the first edition, there was just a hole left where his citadel stood. In the second edition, they rewrote it so the citadel is back. It's just that when you go in there, it's just say, horrors that await you. Um, but Astaroth has been searching for his, um, his lost brother ever since. And is normally waiting to the point where he can be convinced that God is dead, or that the demiurge is dead, so that he can then control the machine for himself. Except while the demiurge is not at the, um, not at the helm of the machine, it is starting to break down. And it's as those cracks start appearing, humanity starts seeing what's really out there. And then so that's, what the, that's what kicks the game off and the, the journey from the lie into the truth. Um, that truth, however, is very wide in its compass. you've got this metropolis, the city, of which all other um, cities are just mere shadows. In fact, all cities connect to metropolis.
1: So is that a kind of extra-dimensional realm then, metropolis?
0: Yes. Well, well so, sort of, I mean... It, it, it's only extra-dimensional if you consider our reality to be real. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the kind of the point of cult is it isn't. So that, you know, where we see cities, we're seeing you know, what we're really seeing is aspects of metropolis, but we're seeing this veil over it that makes us think mm-hmm. that there's something other than they are. Yeah. Or that we're, in fact, in the pocket dimension, and that's the reality, which, in fact, is probably more
1: accurate to right. say. I mean, this is sounding like an overarching sort of scenario to the, to the game. So once you've kind of played that and you've found this out, can you carry on playing?
2: Yeah, where it comes down to the title of the game, Cult, in itself, that not just Astroth is fighting for control of the um, control of the prison, all his minions are as well. Um, yeah, not not yellow and dungarees. They are the Quipthoff, the inversion of the Tree of Life. So they, he has his own small army, which again have exactly the same role that they. They look after people that are slanted towards that more negative balance, and that's where their area, um, their method of control fits in best. So again, it's things like um, I think there's some surgeon group. In fact, yeah, the order, order of practice mortis. I think it's one and then the group that you used in one of the stuff. Oh, the cannibals. Yeah, the uh, auto Yeah, that's the ones, yeah. yeah. Um, that they have numerous of these different um, cults they've set up, which are all pretty dark, twisted, and frankly fucked up um, in what they do. Um, that's where Astroth's um, core ranks of his army lie. Where I say others are more mundane methods of what we would consider government control on the. Um, on the Demiurge side of things, things like law, order, government, etc, etc. Um, and each one of those, say, has their own agenda, where they're fighting against other um, other Archons, as they're called on one side, or Angels of Death on the other, um, that certain ones don't like other ones. They have their own alliances and rivalries, and they're all fighting against each other while... While well, normally trying to support,
1: so there the are bots. various
0: factions that yeah. you can kind of end do- up having dozens of factions. Around. And, yeah. and 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 it would be entirely possible to do a cult campaign where you know the um, where, where the player characters aren't necessarily seeing through the veil much or breaking through to other realities, but are just caught up in some He's of these kind
1: of, these of playing countries. a
0: horror-based role-playing game that has. The- the cult background in the background, really. Yeah, yeah where you're seeing the outcome of these, these turf wars or mm. being caught mm-hmm. up in the, the consequences of them. But not necessarily they're, in the bigger struggle. Exactly. Because they're, they're being played out you know, in human conflicts. Um, so so, so you know, you're seeing wars and atrocities and um, the like being carried out in the human world, which echoes these these grand supernatural battles that are going on mm-hmm. in you know in reality.
1: And if you're prepping a scenario for, for cult. How would you compare that with? I mean, we, we, we talked about how to prep a scenario for, or a situation, as Scott said they were called, mm-hmm. for um, Hot War. For Cult, is it more of a, a standard kind of scenario that you'd be looking at, like you'd have prep for Call of Cthulhu? Yeah, that's more they, of a
2: traditional. There's a lot of comparison between Cthulhu and Cult and how I, how I would structure a scenario and how I'd go about generating it. Um, particularly, you'd be looking at that. Of that moment, that bang moment that brings you into that conflict, which are whatever guise that conflict takes, or the moment when they see through the illusion for the first time and realise, oh, hang on a minute, there's something odd out there. Yes, we're well, not in Kansas anymore, indeed. But also then, because the the actual universe itself for cult is so vast that there's more than just that you can look into. Um, one of the sections I'd love to do a down um, to write up a one shot around one time or say a small campaign about. Um, is what they the kind of the equivalent of the Dreamlands? That um, there are the dreaming realms, and there are these figures very much like Randolph Carter that have set themselves up as Dream Lords. But these are more nightmarish. Sure, they're, they're yeah.
0: not so much Rand- oh, Randolph Carter as Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is in
2: fact a better, better analogy. That they are horrific beings that have such—they've almost—I am thinking like one of the to use a Doctor Who example—they've become very much like Omega. They've become creatures of their own that are purely a manifestation of their own will... ...that they've almost lost what it means to be a physical being now. The Dreamlands revolve around something known as the Vortex... ...which is a very Oblivion-like point from Wraith. Once you cross over that event horizon, no one knows what's in there. and So there are lots of undefined bits of the setting. You've got the Primal Wild that's out there, which is the, the lands beyond Metropolis... You've got various different districts within Metropolis, like the City of the Dead, which um, on the top of the hill, um, the Guardian guards the Tomb of the Demiurge, but no one goes in there because he won't let you in. So that's why Astroth can't confirm whether the god is alive or dead, but his tomb's up there.
0: I, I had a lot of fun with that, City of the Dead. Oh, yeah,
1: I <laughs> it's in that. So with the, with these dreamers, you could have a scenario where they're kind of drawn into one of these Freddy Krueger-like dreamer, nightmarish yeah. places mm-hmm. by, that, by the spirit yeah. that's kind of and creating that, it.
0: That, that, that's one of the things with cult because you've got all these different kind of toys and areas and so on to play with, you can actually use these as pretexts for doing a lot of, um, you know, what, what seemed like more obvious horror uh, scenarios. So you could do something like Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. like, you could do you know, a slasher movie, you, uh, you could do Hellraiser, stuff like that. Um, you, you've got the pretext for doing that without even you know, necessarily revealing a lot of the metaphysic- metaphysical yeah, stuff yeah. behind.
2: Or yeah. even something maybe on akin to a more supernatural version of Inception. Mm. You could do that because, again, oh. you, could, you could fit it into a wider, cam- a wider conflict as a method by which you can then manipulate various other participants in said conflict.
0: Yeah, it it strikes me, the more that we're talking here, what's missing from Cult, you know, to make it a perfect game for me, is something like the Unknown Armies concept of the different levels of game. Yes. Uh, You know, the the, the street level, the global level, and the cosmic level. Because the the background as it's set up is absolutely perfect for that. So you've got the street level stuff where, you know, you are playing it basically as a straightforward horror game, but just there's this stuff going on in the background. (laughs) There is the, you know, the global level stuff where you've started breaking through the illusion and you're dealing with these more powerful creatures directly. And then there's the cosmic level, which I'd love to play, but the mechanics don't really support it, where you're becoming yeah. enlightened and you are you know, on the verge of, of becoming you know, a, a god again.
2: Yeah. And even then,
0: the, there are
2: a couple of examples of um, those that have ascended. Um, one that's ascended to the light path, Leonardo da Vinci. Um, where he's installed um, hints and he's he's it uses his artwork and his journals and such as a method by which if you read them and you can understand the passages that are hidden within them, they are tools
0: that can help you ascend and follow him. So so basically what you're saying is Dan Brown is a lictor <laughs> uh, who, has try, who has tried to subvert all this. By uh, making uh, it fiction and making yeah. everyone disbelieve it. Uh, well, not, not just that, <laughs> but making it fundamentally shit. <laughs>
2: So he is in fact a pawn of the demiurge. Damn you! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry to, to, to explain. Lictors are the jailers in yes. cult. They're the, they're the entities that maintain the illusion. Yeah.
2: Whereas the archons themselves are those points on the tree of on the cabalistic um, tree of life that are employed by the demiurge. Lictors are employed by those immediate subordinates. They're kind of the second level, t- um, the second or third tier down from the guy on top. They're the the foot soldiers, essentially.
0: And, and, yeah, unlike unlike the Archons, they actually directly get involved in human affairs, can appear as human. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are a lot of these entities that are able to put up human guises and you could interact with them thinking they're people. But then, you know, if you've got some way of seeing through the illusion as certain gifts in in Mm -hmm. cult can give you, every now and then you'll see them for what they actually are. It sounds sounds
1: like that's quite a nice mechanic for finding a motivation for those things. Because often in Call of Cthulhu it's like, okay well I've got Nalatotep and an avatar of of Nalatotep well why would he want this cult to do this thing because what what, does he really gain by it whereas if they're they're serving as Doroth or or the Demiurge then then they've kind of got motivations to interact with humanity because humanity are actually important in this thing
0: yeah i mean they they 've mm-hmm. got you know at least two very strong motivations for there. one is maintaining the illusion, maintaining the prison, making sure that humanity doesn 't you know start getting too strong again, and the other is as you know uh, basically you know, uh, officers class in these these kind of wars of pawns that are going on in the human world
2: mm. following on from Leonardo da Vinci. Um, they had the example of which a character that could ascend by the dark route is uh, Damon Blackwood I think it's Damon Blackwood or Black Raven or something something black anyway um, I remember, just remember his um, card from the game was the one I was trying to hunt down the most for the longest period because <laughs> um, you could play him as an individual um, him as the controller of a, t- um, a tarot deck and he had this wonderful purple background where everyone else was either bl- um, was either like a golden, yellow or... Um, light blue so he was very much oh he's got his own colour he's special he's all on his own took me ages to track him down but (laughs) um, his background is that he comes out of the um, he comes out of the witch trials Um, so the the Salem witch trials and so forth if memory memory serves me correctly except that he takes the witch finder general approach a little bit too far he just keeps on torturing and killing and torturing they didn't really take it far enough no, not 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 far enough to do what the cult wanted. No, <laughs> okay, um, and that's all he does. He just wanders around as this as this malevolent killing machine force that he knows of the existence of the machine now and tries to tear it down in every way he um, every way he can by committing the most violent and reprehensible acts he can possibly imagine, and it's he finds a pawn of the um, he finds a pawn of the machine destroys it. And hopefully, in such a graphic way that it brings other people's attention to it, and then they start to um they start to pierce the illusion themselves so again yeah, they it's just the methods they use will characterize a lot of how they've how they've ascended and what role they play in the universe at that point say so they they definitely become like um god walkers in unknown armies in that respect or um on the verge of having ascended, they are the big movers and shakers in the cosmos and can physically direct the way the conflict is going. Rather than become peep, um, pawns, they become players. You know, I think that pretty much covers. So, thinking in retrospect, say, so, well, while well, we've had a certain degree of um, things to criticise the game over, say, so it is still, I believe, is one of my favourite games. That so say, the setting is amazing; it is unparalleled in its depth. It's intricacy, it's detail.
0: His perversity, his yeah. uh, mm. yeah. It's perversity, it's sheer bloodiness, unpleasantness.
2: Yeah, all amazing things. And even, even down to the production values of the books, in that they are unique, they are graphic, they are mind-bendingly horrific in a lot of instances to anyone who does DTP. Yeah. But uh, it's the the system. I think is the one thing that lets it down.
0: Yeah, I, I, I after the the last episode we did on Hot War, I'm I'm now thinking, you know, with all the different factions involved yeah. there, uh, you're trying to take this over as well, aren't you? <laughs> I, 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 I'm thinking, yeah, you know, a very kind of odd Hot War game where you're actually playing Archons. See, I,
2: I would be thinking of it as you could run it as um, run it with unknown armies mechanics because uh, the two have a lot in common, as you said, yeah. with set it up with the tier system and you're, you're ready to go. It'll be fine with BRP. <laughs> 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 oh. And the one oh. true game comes.
0: <laughs> Come that sounds like a good point to wrap this up. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah.
2: But yeah, so Colt, that's the one that got my vote. Right, and so wrapping up, you can find us on our usual spot, tomes dot com. We also doing um, we also doing habit social media. Like another another cog in the machine's vast tool of control. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Oh, we
1: serve, which, which one are we serving, Matt? Are we serving uh, the, the Demiurge or uh, Asteroid? Oh, I could tell
2: you, but I'd have to kill you.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg is a nephrite.
2: Do you do you? Yeah, true. I would see that is definitely a method of torture and pain. Anyway, moving on. We um, can find us sir, as the good friends of Jackson Elias. You can find us on G+. People still do use it, honestly. As the good friends of Jackson Elias, this evil Twitter thing. As the good friends of JE, because Twitter always has to be different. And Tumblr, as was mentioned, apparently we will eventually. No, do something we're not. With. We're not on there
0: yet. We? <laughs> we, Why did you pre- even? that? about sheer perversity. Oh, and the one we forgot last time as well. We're on YouTube.
2: Oh, oh yes, of course,
0: YouTube, yes, yes, yes. We're on YouTube as the good friends of Jackson and there. You can tell how seriously we take this social media shit.
1: No, I am obliged to call it the YouTube because <laughs> my, my children don't like that when I do that. All right, I I, I thought it was just because you were getting old. <laughs> well, that's an aspect of that. But <laughs> apparently, they have a teacher that calls it the YouTube. <laughs>
2: Well, it's it's the, adopted this. It is the. It is the one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there's only one YouTube, so it's the YouTube. And, 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 you find and the, the video, Facebook.
0: And you find the videos on it using the Google. Yeah, yes, that's right. Yeah, the Google Plus. Yes. Excellent.
1: Well, well, I think that wraps it up for another show. Um, so next time we'll be looking at another. Uh, non lovecraftian horror role playing game hey, you got it right <laughs> only three attempts you got it right <laughs> so it's goodbye from me cheerio from me in and farewell older, from me
0: on when you